Hi, welcome to episode two of uh, the Swansea podcast. Want to leave this one in, Rhiannon? Um, sure. Today we're going to do a little introduction into embryology and development. Um, and we're just first of all, we'd like to apologise for last week's podcast, as Dr. Webster has only just remembered how to read and has therefore installed my microphone properly. Yeah, it would be nice if I could actually follow simple instructions properly to the end. But so hopefully it'll sound like I'm in the same room today. You sound much nicer. Thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, okay, so this week we start talking properly about embryology. What are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to look over the timings of, of the embryology and we're going to look at the difference between the clinical side of things and the actual, what's actually happening. Um, you've got your own way. And then we're going to have a look over the menstrual cycle and we're going to go through different stages of embryology. Um, then we'll go on and look at some of the principles of growth. Um, and I think that'll pretty much cover it today. Yep. So it's it's an introduc- introduction to the the processes by which um, cells become specialised, by the way in which tissues form, by the way in which uh, embryos will grow and develop, and that sort of thing. So these are the basic and very important ideas and concepts that will lead into uh, how the specific structures that form, over, which we talk about over the next series, next yeah, ten or so podcasts. <laughs> Uh, these are all involved with those. Um, first of all, then, let's talk about timings, because timings is quite important, particularly for talking to medical students. In embryology, we talk about, uh, well, let's say in embryology, our start point for development of the embryo is around the time of fertilization, so pretty much the fertilization point of fertilization, which sounds sensible, right? The clinical time zero for embryo, embryo for the development of an embryo is two weeks before that. How on earth does that come about? Well, let, let's let's explain. It actually it's actually fairly sensible. Uh, so when us embryologists and cell biologists look at embryos, uh, we can see when they're fertilised. We can look at the embryo. We can look at the size of the thing. We can stage it fairly accurately. Uh, clinically, you can't do that. Clinically, the best uh, time stamp to start from is the time of the last menstrual period for a woman. Of course, if you look at the menstrual cycle, the date of the last menstrual period is about two weeks before fertilization. Uh, Let's talk about the menstrual period, the menstrual cycle, briefly. So, the menstrual cycle, its average cycle length is about 28 days, but it, it varies between women, it varies... Uh, throughout the world and there really is a range in length of the menstrual cycle from 21 to 40 days and the cycle length outside the 28 days norm is not is not unusual it's not abnormal uh, the menstrual cycle is made up of a number of phases uh, and from menstruation from the point at which menstruation starts menstruation can last a few days and then we'll talk about the endometrium and what have you in different lectures rather than in embryology. But then uh, after menstruation, after the, the lining of the uterus is shed, uh, the uterus enters a reparative phase and a proliferative phase where the, the lining of the uterus is repaired. And it's repaired so that it's ready for implantation of uh, the fertilised egg of the developing embryo by that, you know, by that stage. And ovulation occurs once the, the uter- uterine lining is, is pretty much ready for the embryo and that's around two weeks after the start of the point of the last menstrual period it's that first half of the cycle which is 
less regular, less constant. The point from the time period from ovulation to the start of menstruation is much more constant, and it's around it's pretty much fourteen days. Uh, and there are good hormonal reasons for that, which you'll find out about if you look into uh, the menstrual cycle, which is a crucial part of of medicine. Uh, so. It's easy clinically to ask a woman, what was the date of your last menstrual period? And then calculate from that date uh, periods, points within the gestation, as in uh, when the, when the baby's due date and that sort of thing. So what am I talking about? Well, the embryonic period lasts for about eight weeks. So eight weeks after fertilization, the embryo has reached a stage where you can see most of the structures of the embryo, it's got, it's got, it's got arms, it's got fingers, it's got kind of unfused eyelids, it's got a head, it's got a body. And if you were to look inside the embryo, you'd see that many of the major structures within the embryo are also formed. So by eight weeks, uh, much of the structure of the embryo is visible, is formed. And that's the end of the embryonic period. After eight weeks, so from eight weeks after fertilization up to uh, the baby's born, that's called the fetal period. So whenever we talk about uh, embryonic timings in this series of lectures, in this series of podcasts, we'll be talking about embryonic weeks. But if you were to look at those weeks, you'd have to add two weeks uh, to the clinical term. Can you explain that any better, Rihanna? Does that make sense? Um, I think you've done it fairly well, but essentially what you're saying is, I think, is the um, fertilisation... No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've got a nice picture in front of me, which I'll try and put on the podcast images. But let's say that uh, the gestation lasts 38 weeks. So the egg is fertilized. 38 weeks later, roughly, the baby is born. That's the biological part. Clinically, you may have seen that uh, gestation lasts 40 weeks. That's 38 plus the two weeks between the last menstrual period and the point of fertilization. So clinically, you calculate, you look at the date of the, the lady's last menstrual period and you calculate 40 weeks beyond that to uh, predict roughly the, uh, the due date. So that's the difference. But whenever we talk about ages, stages, dates uh, in embryology, we're talking about the embryologist's uh, eight weeks of uh, human development, the first eight weeks. Of course, just to add another thing, the due date of a baby is a bit of a myth, really. Biology is a very uh, varied and random beast, and um, the baby will come when it's due. 40 weeks, 38 weeks, um, usually around that time somewhere. Okay, Renan, I think you wanted to talk about other methods of ageing an embryo. Yeah, okay. Well, um, within within the first eight weeks then, the embryonic period, um, there are actually a variety of stages um, and there are different methods of looking at the embryo and staging where it is in, along its development. Um, one of the more famous staging methods is called the Carnegie stage um, that's from the Carnegie Institute in America they've got a big embryology department there and they've actually um, categorized 1 to 23 stages of development okay and these stages are based on the development of structures rather than the size or the age of the embryo okay so it's the um, the morphology the morphological changes that are going on within the embryo so just to let you know um, they stage in days we're not expecting you to learn these, but I think you should be aware um, that they exist. And one of the examples, say, stage one is day one, um, and that's when fertilization occurs. Stage five 
is day seven to 12, so, the, so week two, and that's when implantation occurs and the primary yolk sac is apparent. Um, and just another example is stage 12, that's day 26 to 30, and that's when the upper limb buds start to develop. Um, that's at the end of week four. Um, and also another method um, that we use for staging is somite development. So at stage 12 of the Carnegie stages, um, there are between 21 and 29 somites, okay? So just so that you know, that's a method that we use to stage embryos. Um, and we'll talk about somites in a future podcast. So yeah. somites are, are the little blocks of tissue that are going to go on and form uh, muscle and trail nerves and what have you behind them. Vertebrae and things like that, segmentation. Yeah. Okay, but also, obviously, we can stage embryos using age. Um, the number of somites, like we mentioned, and also you can you can use it with the, with the length of the embryo as well. My brain's a bit fried after that already. Sorry. How are you going to cope with the whole series of embryology podcasts? You'll manage. Hard to teach, let alone to learn. Um, okay. The timing's, it's a little bit contrived, but now you understand it better, hopefully. Okay, so let's get on to uh, the principles of growth and development, how an embryo actually grows. And we've got four principles we need to talk about. Uh, change in size. How can a tissue or a group of cells change in size? We need to talk about differentiation. How cells become specialised. We need to talk about organisation and morphogenesis, which are sometimes linked. You often see those two together. Uh, organisation being uh, how cells know where they are, what they're going to do, i.e. they're organised, and then morphogenesis, when they actually go on and move and make shapes and that sort of thing. Okay, so uh, we'll take each one of those in turn. A change in size is achieved by growth. So what's growth? Growth can be defined as an increase in the mass or overall size of a tissue or an organism. Uh, and a change in size can come about through either you increase the number of cells, you increase the size of the cells, or you increase the amount of stuff around the cells, the extracellular matrix. Uh, and any one of those things will make a tissue larger. Uh, so proliferation, you must have seen. A cell divides, usually through mitosis. Uh, this is the most common method of growth. And it's very prevalent in the developing embryo, in the fetus. It doesn't really occur in uh, differentiated skeletal or cardiac muscle or neurons, but it's, it's key throughout the body. Hypertrophy is the term we use when we, when we say that a tissue grows by the cells getting larger. So uh, when you go weight training, your muscles get larger, partly because of an increased blood flow, but partly because the skeletal muscle fibres hypertrophy. You don't get more muscle fibres, they don't proliferate, but uh, the, uh, the skeletal muscle cells hypertrophy, they get larger. You also see this in, uh, in developing long bones, where you have uh, small cells proliferating, small cartilage cells proliferating, and they become larger, they hypertrophy, and the long bone gets longer and longer and larger and larger. Uh, keeping with that theme then, the other method of a tissue growing is through accretion. So cells secrete extracellular matrix around them. And this is really prevalent in cartilage and bone and other connected tissues. So the main job of the cell there is to make connected tissue. And it's the, the extracellular matrix, the connected tissue, which, which, which uh, provides the function. So uh, if a cell makes more extracellular matrix, pushes the other cells away from it, makes more matrix, then that tissue is going to get larger and larger. These processes of growth are really, really common 
in childhood and during growth during the fetal embryonic periods. They're not really common in the adult periods, in, in the adult tissues. They most often you see them in response to injury. Uh, when you when a tissue needs to be repaired, it needs to when a bit of it's been removed, it needs to grow again. Uh, if we're going to talk about growth, we should also mention cell death. And cell death can be a programmed event. Apoptosis is uh, programmed cell death. So while we have cells growing, cells increasing in number, proliferating or getting larger or making more cellular matrix, another important uh, process is apoptosis. Some cells need to die to create shape. So a key example of this is the developing fingers in a developing limb. You start off with a paddle with some kind of condensations of cells which are going to be the future fingers. And the paddles have cells between those developing fingers. If those cells die, you start to get the shapes of the fingers. Uh, and that's the process of apoptosis. It's absolutely crucial to normal development. It's kind of the opposite of growth, really. But uh, a key process. Do you want to talk about differentiation, Rhiannon? Yeah, okay. With differentiation, differentiation, uh, the clue's in the name, really, different. So this is where cells become different to each other. They become more specialised. So um, in development, when we've got just loads of cells together, quite often you can't differentiate. And then as development progresses, these cells become more specialised. And then they can end up forming all sorts of materials, really. And um, we get nerve cells, muscle cells, epithelial cells... Um, and then they go on to specialise and uh, create their own special uh, extracellular matrix. Yeah, so those, those cells have a specialised function. Something else that's key about differentiation is that once a cell is differentiated, it usually can't go backwards. Yeah. It can't become less specialised, it can't de-differentiate. You can get some cells to do it in the lab, which might be really useful in therapies in the future. Just think, if you, uh, if you could take fat cells from your belly, de-differentiate those cells to a say, a pluripotent cell type, a cell that can become many other different cells, and then differentiate it into, what, cardiac muscle, put it back into your heart, that'd be really handy. Be excellent. But it doesn't happen normally, it doesn't happen in real life. So differentiation is kind of a one-way street. Which is why there's so much research being done on stem cells. Yeah. Uh, another key thing about differentiated cells is that once they're differentiated, once they become a specific cell type, like uh, they become a muscle cell, a myocyte, um, or a cartilage cell, a chondrocyte, they keep that cell type. They, uh, when they divide, they pass that cell type on. So if a cartilage cell divides, it produces two more cartilage cells. Um, it's worth pointing out probably that we have stem cells or adult stem cells or progenitor cells within many adult tissues. So, I mean, skin and the gut are key examples of this, where you have an epithelial lining to the gut, an epithelial lining to the skin. The surface cells are lost and uh, deep beneath those surface cells are progenitor cells, which uh, are a differentiated cell type, as in they want to make more um, skin cells, more epithelial cells. Uh, but they're progenitors, they can divide and divide and divide, and they're a little bit different to the normal adult epithelial cells. Okay, so if you right. took them out and gave them different instructions, they could theoretically make... Bone. Yeah, they're a little bit more plastic. They're yeah. a little bit less differentiated. They're not quite at the end, at the end line. Okay, that's the uh, first two principles of growth. So we've had change in size and we've had differentiation. So those are two key ideas. Um, cells becoming specialised and what have you. 
But how do those cells know how to become specialised and what specialised cell type they're going to become? Uh, and this is where we need to talk about organisation and morphogenesis. So organisation is, imagine you've got this blob of cells or this sheet of cells and to you they all look the same. You can't tell one cell from another. They form this, this sheet which has got no real shape, it's got no real head end, tail end, left side or right side. You can't, you can't see which bit is which. But the cells within there, within the embryo, you can guarantee they know exactly where they are. They know exactly what they're going to do. All the cells are talking to each other. There are various signaling molecules and concentration gradients passing across the thing. So the cells know that they're on the left side. The cells know that they're in the head. The cells know that they're in the middle, whatever. And with that information, then they can, they can go on to form uh, the structures that we see, the shapes that we see. Which is morphogenesis. Which is morphogenesis. So for all this to work, there is a uh, well, a wide range of signaling molecules. And this is where much of modern research is based these days. Looking at how cells interact with each other, how they talk to each other, what signaling molecule does this, this and the other. So it's a really key idea to us cell biologists and us uh, biological researchers. So let's talk a little bit about induction and about uh, cell signals. Do you want to talk about this, Ree, as a tissue engineer? Ooh. <laughs> well, the cell signals that go on, I mean, they're incredibly complicated. And like Samuel said, um, it's... It starts off from the positional information that the cell has. So if um, a group of cells knows that they're in one specific place, um, signaling molecules that they start to produce fan out and create these gradients across the, say it's a limb, or across the tissue generally. Um, and the idea of a gradient, that's a key idea as well. Yes, yeah. Um, and the gradients that are, uh, the signaling molecules, sorry, that are generally growth factors... Um, have various effects on the cell. So if there's a strong, um, if, if the cells are in a strong area of signaling molecules, it can have a completely different effect on what the cells become and how they differentiate and develop as to cells that are further away from that centre of signaling molecule production. Cool. So some cells are sending out a signal, other cells have got receptors on their surface and they can detect the signal. And depending upon how far away that receiving cell is from the signaling cell, depends on how strong that the effect signal is, is going to be. Yeah. And the effect is then going to be different, yeah, because of that the difference of strength. So that's a key idea. So if you think about it, if you have a, uh, if you have a uh, concentration gradient of a signaling molecule down the length of an embryo, say from the head to the tail, so the signal is strong at the head, weak at the tail, then the cell knows where it is in in one axis, in one dimension, it knows how far away it is from the head. If you had, say, a similar signaling mechanism across the body, from, say, the left side to the right side, the cell would then know where it was in two-dimensional space. It would know, say, it was on the left-hand side, uh, halfway down the embryo. Then if you then had a, a third signaling molecule running anterior to posterior, or ventral dorsal, uh, then uh, the cell would then know where it was in three-dimensional space. So it would know how far it was how close it was to the ventral surface of the embryo, how far it was from the head, how far it was from the left side. So the cell knows exactly where it is. And that's a rather simplistic viewpoint, but that's a start as to how the cell is then going to become specialised to that region. You know, it's a cell in the middle. It's say, for example, it's going to become, what, the spleen? 
Um, yeah. It's a real starter for it to go on down that process. Okay, so that's signaling and induction. And that then gives you an idea of how organization comes about. Uh, and in this embryology series, we're not going to talk about those signals. We're not going to talk about uh, the genes that are being uh, used, the proteins that are being synthesized. It's, it's just a little bit too much for medical embryology at this stage. In full-on embryology, this is what we're really interested in. This, will, this, this is what drives the whole process. As I've said before, in this series, we're mostly going to be looking at how the cells differentiate, how they specialize, and how shapes are formed and that sort of thing. To, yeah, to help your anatomy, to help your understanding of these structures. So we're not really going to name any signalling molecules? No, we might we might be- briefly mention them, but we're not really going to go into any detail. That's not the aim of the podcast. Okay, so the next stage then is morphogenesis. And often you'll see organisation and morphogenesis linked. I mean, they are inextricably linked. I like to separate them out to point out that the two are occurring independently. You can have an amorphous lump of tissue which looks like it has no... No organisation within it at all. You can't you can't see the left side or the right side, but the cells know that they're organised, and that's my point about organisation. The organisation organisation occurs before any formation of shape. So morphogenesis then that's the generation of form. These organised cells, these cells that know where they are, know what they've got to do, then start to form some interesting shapes. Uh, one of my examples of this is is looking at the sea urchin, which is a nice simple kind of a hollow sphere of cells when it's an embryo and the endoderm layer of cells uh, at one end invaginates so it pushes inside that hollow ball a hollow sphere and those cells start to migrate and push towards the other end of the hollow ball of cells and eventually you have a tube running through the hollow ball hollow sphere of cells. So what's that tube then? Thus creating the mouth and anus. <laughs> yeah, so that forms the gut tube. So we, well, basically with that, with that example of morphogenesis, we've gone from a simple sphere to a simple sphere with a tube running through it. Uh, and that's the formation of the gut tube. Classic morphogenesis. Yeah, exactly. And then we see morphogenesis, that occurs everywhere else. I mean, next week, no, in a couple of couple of podcast time we'll be talking about the formation of the gut so we'll look at how the gut tube in man forms and it's a little bit different to that uh, and from that we'll be looking at how all the other structures form uh, some of the associated structures like the liver and so on and so on and it's all morphogenesis so it's all the uh, formation of, of shape and form so we have a mass of cells making a clear structure and one of the best examples of that is the form of the formation of the arm in that you have a, a little limb bud which extends and twists and rotates and eventually you have a full arm with a, an elbow joint and fingers and a hand and all sorts. And that's all morphogenesis and it all comes about because of the organisation and the signalling molecules. That's us done. Yeah, okay. So in summary, we went through the timings, the clinical and the actual, that the, the significance of those two weeks that you'll need to know. Which um, we will cover again next week. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, went through some of the stages that you can use to stage an embryo, including somites and the Carnegie stages. Which we won't be assessing in Swansea. It's no. just for interest. It's uh, Whenever we talk about uh, stages or, or dates or ages of an embryo, we'll be talking about the the actual biological embryo our time point is the point of fertilization that's time point zero for us so if we say something forms at 12 days that's 12 days after fertilization that's in our assessments that's in our podcast that's in our lectures yeah we'll have that consistency yeah which clinicians might talk about god knows what <laughs> okay and then we looked over the principles of growth okay so um you've got 
growth differentiation, the organization and morphogenesis. Yeah. And those are, you'll see those, those ideas coming up each, each week, each lecture, each podcast. Uh, next week, we start just after fertilization. We're not going to talk about fertilization. We're going to talk uh, about the first 18 days of the development of the embryo. So it, it, this is rather an interesting set of events, but it's got some complicated nomenclature. There's a lot of names, a lot of terms, you know. You have a nice ball of cells which does something, so we change its name. It does something else, we change its name. It does something else, it changes its name. And we'll work through all that. So we go from what? We go from the zygote? Yeah. First point of fertilization. Yeah. All the way through to implantation of the blastocyst into the uterine wall and the kind of early formation of the placenta. We go through uh, gastrulation, the formation of the three germ layers, and we stop just as new relation starts. So in the next podcast, we'll cover 18 days worth of embryology in about 30 minutes. <laughs> it's, doable. it's doable. It's doable. It's a bit more complicated than this one, but it's doable. All okay. right? Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, Rhi. No problem. Thanks. See you next time. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.